What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. This show comes to you on Friday, August 20th, and we're going to uh, to review day one of Giants-Browns joint practices, and here to help me do that up early this morning to to help us out is Zach Rosenblatt of NJ Advanced Media. Zach, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ed. So uh, so I I'm not in Cleveland this week. Hopefully, I'll be in New England next week for for joint practices with the Patriots. Uh, that's that's a little closer to home for me than uh, th- than Ohio. So so I'll be trying to make the trip over to over to Foxborough. But Zach, you're in uh, you're in Ohio for these, and that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to to have you to have you on it. And we have to start with uh, I think just with the fact that that the Giants and Browns not like the the Titans and Bucks or, or Raiders and Rams, the, the Giants and Browns actually made it through practice on Thursday without any fisticuffs. Yeah. Crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's, it's what Logan Ryan had a, you know, Ryan comment. Obviously he was involved in their brawl earlier uh, in camp. Um, and he said, we had our fights for camp already. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think Joe made it pretty clear to these guys that nobody is getting in any fights. I mean, the, even like the very hint, of anything like Rodarius Williams at one point had a stop against Jojo Natson, I think is his name on the Browns. And he like stood over him and started taunting him. And as soon as he did that, Patrick Graham and Jerome Henderson just kind of let him have it. They yelled at him, you know, so I, I don't get the sense that if there's going to be any fights, it's going to come from the Giants. And I know Malik Jackson on the Browns was getting chippy with like Nick Gates a little bit, but like never escalated to anything. Um, and the, as, as Logan said, he's like, he didn't feel like it was the level of intensity where, that was going to happen because a lot of times at these practices, the intensity is just ramped up, but I, I think that they kept it pretty fairly low. Like there was competition, you know, there was the two minute drill at the end that was intense. There's some 11 on 11 stuff, but it wasn't like you didn't, I, I know like Evan Ingram called it a game day vibe. I didn't really get like a game day vibe from it. It was more like, you know, a, a scrimmage, I would say. I don't know about you, but I, I, I understand, you know, testosterone and adrenaline and and getting humped, pumped up and and competing and all of that, but but I never understand you're, you're working, you're trying to get better. I never understand the the need for all of the for all of the fights and and losing control of your emotions like that in these in these joint workouts. You, you mean you don't understand why Antonio Brown 
like ripped off a guy's helmet and punched him yesterday. You don't understand that? <laughs> no, no, no. And, and I mean, if I, I don't understand why, you know, a few years ago at a Giants practice, you know, Damon Harrison, mm. you know, yeah. swung a, a six pound helmet at, at Will Hernandez's Crazy. head when Hernandez wasn't wearing his helmet. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. I, mean, I, I never get that kind of like I get heat of the moment. Sometimes you don't realize what you're doing, but you're like putting guys like life at risk at that point. So um but yeah i don't know yeah i mean i, I agree with you especially because you know not only are you doing something that's detrimental like to yourself but you're, you're like you're gonna get a penalty for your team you might get thrown out you might get suspended you might lose money like is it really all worth it just because a guy you know got chippy with you like or it's because he, he you know he shoved you after a play like is it really worth all of that like these guys get fined like for them it's not a lot of money i guess a lot of the times but when they get fined you know multiple grand like they get fined like ten thousand dollars or whatever. That's a lot of money. So I, I, I never, I never get that. Especially, I mean, in camp, I guess there's no fines and stuff. But um, yeah, it's 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 weird. But I mean, luckily the Giants, you know, they learned their lesson. I think last time. I don't, I don't foresee any more fights going forward. And I wonder if one did happen, if Judge would still be able to stop practice with the Browns there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 would be that would be interesting but uh, hopefully we don't get there today hey i wanted to ask you let's turn to the actual practice itself to what we saw on the field and i read a few of the practice reports and you know one of the one of the browns writers i think you know in the athletic wrote that you know clearly in in his mind clearly the browns were the better team but I had the impression that that the Giants had their moments, that practice was kind of back and forth, um, that the Giants' offense, aside maybe from the the Daniel Jones interception that apparently ended practice, that the Giants' offense, you know, did all right. Uh, just just some thoughts on on what you saw, I guess, particularly from the Giants' offense on Thursday. Yeah, I think I think. I think I agree with the overall assessment that the Browns were better. I think everybody knows that their roster is more talented, even with guys like Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and Denzel Ward and Odell Beckham not playing. They still have a lot of talent on that team. But yeah, offensively, you know, I, I mean, you've been at a lot of practices. Like they, it's been pretty uneven generally. I would say would be the word to use. I mean, there's been some good days, some bad days throughout camp, and that that kind of was what was the case yesterday. I think there were some good moments. I think Daniel Jones overall was pretty solid. He had some bad throws. You know, there's a couple drops. There's maybe some spots where the offensive line broke down, but I think generally they, they held their own pretty well outside, you know, outside of, like you mentioned that, that last, they had a game, they did a two minute drill that the first play was a sack. I think the second they had a, and then yeah, the second play was the interception and that's, that's how you lose games. So, I mean, that, that's a concern and I, there's still concerns about the offense and, a lot of their key guys are hurt, but I, I think it was a solid practice overall is what I would call it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, as you mentioned, a lot of the guys are hurt and, you know, in case people don't know, Saquon Barkley is practicing, but Saquon is not taking part really in any of these seven on seven and 11 on 11 periods at this point. Kenny Galladay is not practicing. Kyle Rudolph is not practicing. I think John Ross, you know, among, you know, wide receivers is, is not practicing. Um, Tony. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I was just going to say, you know, I, I know I'm missing somebody, but they're pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pr- pretty bad at this point. 
you know, when you're this far into training camp and, and you can't remember the first round pick. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is crazy. I mean, that, and that's kind of like, like you can say like, okay, he doesn't have all his weapons, but at the same time, these are all new guys. So it almost is more concerning because, you know, he's not getting reps with these guys, which I think is a real concern. I mean, you know, the, the whole idea last year was, you know, he didn't, Daniel Jones didn't have time outside of like training camp. They didn't have a preseason they, and all that last year. Um, and this year he's like missing all of that with these injured guys. So it, it's going to be, I think, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you come out at the beginning of the season, this offense is a little disjointed. If assuming Kenny Galladay, Saquon, Kadarius, even Kyle Rudolph are back or close to it. Like it's going to be interesting. Like maybe this offense isn't at its best until mid season, but um, yeah, that, I think that's definitely uh, something to keep in the back of your mind. I would say. Yeah, that that actually is a concern because the the new guys, as we said, Galladay, Tony, a lot of those guys are are ones that you'd want to get reps with to, as you know, as coaches say, to build that chemistry. L- let me ask you this: I look at you know the Giants spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of draft capital to upgrade the the weapons around Daniel Jones and, and and I look at the expectation you know people some people would like to say oh they spent all this money in draft picks and everything they should have this high flying high scoring offense I don't look at it that way the giants were 31st in the league last year in offense in in points scored you know thank you for the jets you know being out there but I look at it this way. I think they averaged 17 points a game. League average was about 25. To me, I think if the Giants can get to league average or slightly above league average with the, with the quality of defense that they have, to me, that's enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you I don't know if you look at it the same way or you know to me yeah. that's enough to to put them in a position where they can compete you know to win 8 9 maybe more games than that and at least be a factor. I mean uh, yeah, I mean I, I think that's pretty clear. If you I mean if, if you even just look at last year, you know, they were 6 and 10 in a game out of the division with the second worst offense in the league and that that just tells you that their offense is just literally what was holding them back. If their offense scores more than 17 points a game, they win a couple more games. They had a lot of close losses. Um, and so ultimately it just comes down to even if the, yeah, even if they're league average or even slightly below league average, if the defense is as good or better than it was last year, this is easily a nine win team, I think. So um, that, that it's, I mean, the offense is, is going to be the story for this team until we get any signs that, they're ready to take the next step. I don't know if we've necessarily seen them yet. You know, there's some flashes here and there. There's not consistency. The offensive line, I still have a lot of questions about, you know, Daniel Jones has to be consistent and not turn the ball over and all that. So um, until we see this offense together, it's like so hard to figure this team out. I think like predictions are going to be hard this year, I think. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and the way things are going, you know, we may see them together. We, we talked about that, I think last year as well. And we never really saw, you know, the, the offense in its entirety because Saquon was out all year, but let's, Zach, let's talk about the offensive line a little bit. Now, you know, the caveat in case people don't know in the joint practice yesterday, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, the two Cleveland 
you know, starting and obviously high caliber defensive uh, defensive ends, edge rushers, whatever you want to call them, you know, did not participate in the team portions of practice. So it's not a clear look at, you know, the, the Giants offensive line versus Cleveland's best defensive line. But the real question is, you know, with, with whoever was out there for Cleveland, wh- what did you see? you know, from the Giants offensive line, especially the starting group? Was it encouraging at all? Yeah, I would say it's progress, you know, because I think they've had their rough moments at times. I, I mean, in the preseason game, they actually were pretty solid if you move past the Matt Pert sack. Um, you know, during they had like some one-on-one drills. I, I wasn't like completely focused on them because I was watching seven-on-sevens, but I know Andrew Thomas and Will Hernandez, I think even Matt Pert in particular looked pretty good in those. Um, and Shane Lemieux was getting all the, the first team reps with the, with, and the team drills, which I think is the first time since he injured his knee. So that's progress. I mean, he's still not like a guarantee or anything at guard, but yeah, I mean, I think it was solid. Like you said, like you're not going against the Browns best group. It's still an NFL defensive line. They have some talented guys on it, some veterans. Um, and they look solid. You know, there's still times where the pocket broke down and Daniel had to get rid of it and maybe like had an errant throw or whatever, but. Um, any sign of progress is good. Um, I, I still think they're going to look to add somebody, whether it's via trade or free agency, whether that's for depth or actual starter competition. Like I, I just think they know that they, they need at least, you know, a backup plan. If one of these guys doesn't work out, I don't necessarily know they have any of that, especially like even a guy like Nate Solder, who they seem to be relying on pretty heavily uh, is still limited. Um, you know, they just signed Ted Larson a veteran and, they have Jonathan Harrison. Like, I don't know if any of those guys necessarily inspire confidence if they have to start. So um I, I yeah. know they don't I know they don't inspire confidence in the fan base. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do find it interesting. I don't know if you do as well. I mean, I understand the Giants had the two retirements of the two veteran players, and then they had Kyle Murphy with an ankle injury land on, on IR. And he's a guy that spent the the back half of last season on the 53 man roster, even if he didn't play and, and people online on my Twitter feed in the comments at big blue view, they always say, well, well, look at this depth. What was the backup plan? You know, why isn't there a backup plan? Well, the backup plan is on IR and, and retired. So, I mean, it takes time. I think there was a backup plan. Um, it just sort of amazes me that that people say, "What was the plan?" I don't know if you. I don't know if you kind of have the the same impression. I mean, the Giants have to add some depth, but it's not because they didn't plan it. It's because of what's happened in training camp. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it you start out training camp and you feel pretty good about the backs up backups with. Joe Looney and Zach Fulton and, you know, even Kenny Wiggins kind of came out of nowhere and was getting a lot of reps and he's has some experience, although it's clear why he's kind of been bouncing around the league the last couple of years. But um, yeah, I, I think, I just, I don't think they can go into the season with the offensive line group they currently have. I just, um, you know, I, I know that they believe in Andrew Thomas and I think they viewed at least Andrew Thomas and Nick Gates as like the sure things. Uh, on this offensive line, I, I, I think it's even, I'm even skeptical that Andrew Thomas is a sure thing. I think he's looked pretty good, but, you know, he started pretty bad last year. You need a full 16 games of good play from him. Matt Pert is a big question. He's inexperienced. Will Hernandez, you know, I don't, I think he's struggling in camp. Um, and he was, they didn't even trust him enough last year to put him back in the lineup. And Shane Lemieux was like the worst graded guard in the NFL by pro football focus. So I, 
I mean, we all, I think we all thought this was their biggest need coming in the offseason. They made the bold choice to stick with the guys they have. And maybe I get the thought process there, but I think they need to bring in somebody that at least can push, especially in the interior. I think the guards in particular, I'm worried about. So if they can bring in a guard that can actually push Lemieux and push Hernandez, I think that would be ideal. Yeah. The one thing that doesn't make sense to me is Giants fans that, that, you know, are in my timeline, keep pushing for, for Austin Ryder, who was the starting center in, in uh, Kansas city a year ago. And, and to me, I get the fact that Ryder is a, is at least an adequate, you know, NFL center and, and could do that job. But to me, that one, that move doesn't make sense for the simple reason that, that you don't, want to sort of blow this offensive line up because then you've got to play Nick Gates at guard and, and you're, yeah. you're, you're moving Gates to guard. And, and I don't think that's a road the giants want to go down right now. I, I, I don't know if you, if you feel like that's something that, that, that they should think about, but, but I just don't think you want to reshuffle everything at this point. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, I think that's a fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, but I, I mean, I, I like while I agree with you, I don't know if I would rule that out necessarily. I think they would get, like if they saw a guy that they view as like an upgrade at center and then you could put Nick Gates at right guard. I think they would consider doing it. I wouldn't do it necessarily, but um, I mean, they, they need to get the best five out there, whatever that looks like. And if you have to move Nick, then maybe they move him. But yeah, I don't know. That's it's going to be one of the interesting things. This like this group is already so thin. And then if any of these starters get hurt, then they're even more trouble. So um again I, I i get the sense that they're going to try and make either make a trade or you know grab somebody on the waiver wire or something like that but we'll see yeah i i find it interesting that that they're in cleveland this week and and the browns happen to be one of those nfl teams that happens to have a lot of offensive line depth and i know yeah. there's a lot of giants front office folks uh you know floating around watching these joint practices push comes to shove i wouldn't be surprised if one of those backup cleveland offensive linemen winds up on the giants roster in uh you know in a couple of weeks yeah yeah they have they have a couple of uh interesting guys i think there's a guy uh, named michael dunn i don't know if they'll cut him necessarily but or even if it's a trade or something but he uh he like his made his first start of his career in the playoffs last year when one of the linemen got covid and he didn't allow a single pressure so um he's interesting and they you know they have a couple other guys that I think the Giants would definitely look at. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's turn to uh, let's turn to the other side of the ball. Let's turn to the Giants' defense, and and I know that. It, that the Giants gave up that sort of Hail Mary touchdown, you know, and I think it was a, a two-minute drill. Um, how did you think that the Giants' defense you know, held up overall in, in the 11-on-11 11 11 yesterday? Um, yeah, you know, that, that, that last two-minute drill, I like two-minute drill, maybe in air quotes, because the Browns were, like, taking their time, and uh, I'm pretty sure two minutes would have expired. I think Baker Mayfield had, like, 11 pass attempts. 
Um, you know, and he only completed like five of them, but like the problem was they kept giving up third down conversions on that drive and the, the touchdown, like, I'm not sure if it was necessary, would actually have been a touchdown because, you know, Trent Harris and Lorenzo Carter looked like they might've sacked Baker Mayfield, or at least like pressured him into not throwing it. But, you know, and even Kevin, Kevin Stefanski said he even almost blew the whistle on that. So I, I don't know if it necessarily would have been a touchdown, but either way, like, even if the, it was technically a sack, like they, they should have defended that better. Like it, the two minute, defense that was a problem but otherwise I think the defense played pretty well the one issue they had was with Jarvis Landry which is something I wrote about this morning actually um he uh he was like dominating this the secondary and he's a very talented player he, but I, I think it kind of emphasizes that for as good as the secondary is I think there still are questions about how they're gonna be able to defend the slot because I, I I'm 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 high in Darnay Holmes I think he showed some flashes last year he took his bumps I think he struggled a bit in camp but that's that's definitely not like a guaranteed guy that you can necessarily rely on to stop guys like Landry. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, James Bradbury is still shutting things down. I think the, there's a lot of pressure. I think Lorenzo Carter looked great. I think it was his first full practice uh, in a while. O'Shane Zimenez is looking pretty good. Trent Harris has been getting a lot of reps with the first team. Aziz Ojalari had a few pressures. So I'd say in terms of that stuff, like I, I thought it went pretty well. It's interesting. I wanted to ask you about the slot because my thought with the Giants in the slot is obviously Darnay Holmes is is option one. We haven't seen Aaron Robinson at all since rookie minicamp. I'm guessing at this point that he lands on the pup list to start the season or or stays on the pup list. But uh, the way I think about the Giants in the slot is they have a lot of options but do they have one really, really good option? I don't yeah. know if you, I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, no, I do. I, Cause I mean, if you look at, even if Aaron Robinson was healthy in theory, I mean, he's a rookie and rookies, rookie corners, especially at nickel. Like I, I think Jerome Henderson phrased it well, he called it, he called like a nickel corner, like the traffic cop. Cause they're just like in the middle of the field and there's like so much going on around them and, and it's tough for a rookie to come in. And, you know, that's why teams were targeting Darnay a lot last year. So even if Robinson was healthy, which he's not, I don't know if you can call that like you can be confident in him and there are other options, you know, they're probably get, you know, McKinney get some snaps in the slot. Uh, Julian Love has gotten some snaps in camp. These are guys that don't really have any experience playing slot corner necessarily. I mean, the, the one that does is Logan Ryan, but I think they like where they have him at safety. And so, I mean, I think they're going to get, try and get creative. I think you trust Patrick Gamer to get creative there. You know, they, they short up the other side with the Dory Jackson, but that the, the nickel is definitely an issue. And, and, and you hope that Darnay, I mean, playing against Sterling Shepard every practice and then going against Landry can only help him. And you hope that he takes the positive positive lessons out of this, I would say. All right. Hey, the one thing, you know, that we all try to learn, we all try to pick up is little hints here and there about who's going to make the, the roster, you know, who might be in trouble, how the Giants might be planning on, on using some of the personnel that they have. Um couple things that that have surprised me maybe is even in the preseason game and and from what I understood yesterday was was how much the uh, the Giants are, are using Trent Harris you know for example um, I'm curious if there's anything else that that you've picked up on just maybe in defensive alignments um, and even special teams alignments that that give you you know a hint you know at least in your mind as to you know some of these bubble guys or maybe some surprise guys 
who who you think uh, who you think might stick on the fifty three? That's a good that's a good question. Um, I would say yeah, Trent Harris is one in particular that sticks out. I don't think any of us are talking about Trent Harris coming into camp, and it seems like they really like him. He I mean he gets reps on special teams too, but he's been getting a lot of first team reps with guys banged up. I think Nico Lalos has been getting a a lot of interesting reps. Um, I can't figure out how Lalos makes this roster because I yeah. keep coming. I keep as much as people like him and as much as I like him, I keep coming back to Lalos or O'Shane Zimenez. And I keep coming back to the fact that I think draft pick wins. Yeah. I mean, I think the coaches love Lalos and he's always around the ball. I mean, maybe they feel like they could sneak him onto the practice squad. Um, it's going to be, especially if a guy like Trent Harris makes it, it gets tougher for Lalos, but I don't know. It just depends on what numbers the, the giants try to keep, uh, you know, in certain positions and stuff like that. But, um, I'm trying to think, um, let's see. So that, and well, the guy they just uh, traded for Keon Crossan and Josh Jackson, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in those and see how they use those guys. They were getting some reps on the defense yesterday. Um, Gary Brightwell has been getting a lot of like first team special teams reps. He hasn't really played much during camp because he's been banged up. Um, but I, I think he still has a really good chance of making the team. Um, trying to think here. Here, let me let me let me ask you about a specific one. Yeah, go for it. I've been I've been really curious about the fact that the Giants have two fullbacks in camp, mm-hmm. two fullbacks who happen to be really really good special teams players in Eli Penny and Cullen Gillespie and knowing Joe Judge and knowing the fact that that you know the Giants lost Levine to Ilolo and I guess Cole Hikatini came up you know came up hurt yesterday don't know how badly he's hurt Floating around in the back of my mind somewhere is this idea that because they're both such special, such good special teams players, that Joe Judge could find a way to keep both of those guys on the roster somehow. Yeah, I mean that wouldn't shock me. Um, Gillespie does get a lot of special teams reps, and I would say Eli Penny's been getting a surprising amount of like actual touches on offense. He's been getting some carries. He had a really nice catch yesterday. I mm-hmm. think like I don't know, maybe they're trying to test out if he can be an actual part of the offense, which would be interesting and would make it harder for somebody like Gary Brightwell to, to make the team ultimately. But um, yeah, that, I mean, that's interesting. And, and even in like, even just in that vein, like even a guy like Ryan Santoso, like I think he's looked really impressive in camp. He's a guy that can play punter and kicker and do kickoffs. Like if, if Joe judge is going to keep multiple guys at a position, like, like if any coach was going to keep two kickers, Joe judge would probably be the one to do it. I don't know if they'll necessarily do it. Um, I'm sure, you know, they'll probably cut him initially and hope that he gets through the practice squad. Uh, he's good enough to be a kicker in this league, but yeah, I mean, the special team, the special teams is like where again, I've written about this and I've asked Joe about this. Like when it comes down to those bubble guys, whether or not you play special teams is going to make or break it. And that's why I don't think David Sills is as much of a lock as a lot of fans seem to think because he doesn't really have a special teams role. Whereas CJ board is like the one of their best gunners and he's one of their top returners and he's not so bad at receiver either. And, you know, and they have a few guys like that. If you I mean what they traded for Keon Crossy, most teams don't trade for special teams players. So like special teams is where you might find a surprise guy, like a Gillespie making the team, I would say. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with Sills to be honest with you. And, and I keep doing, and I just released another one this morning. I've been doing sort of weekly um, 
53 man, you know, roster projection updates as the preseason, you know, and training camp have been going along. And I know it's with my heart. I know it is, but I cannot bring myself to drop Sills from the 53 man roster. The kid had such a good training camp last year. He's having another really, really good training camp this year. I mean, the kid moved within 10 miles of Daniel Jones during the off season. And he trailed Daniel Jones around the country, like a puppy dog trying to, you know, to, to help Jones, you know, get work in and, and, and basically to put himself in a better position. I mean, I want the kid to make the roster. I mean, I'll I'll be honest about that. I want the kid to make the roster. I can't bring myself to cut him when I do these projections, but you're a hundred percent right. If it comes down to special teams, I don't know. CJ Board probably has a better chance. Yeah, and and even like, and I agree. Like in terms of like offense and on the field, like he's looked very impressive. But he also like in theory, if everybody's healthy in that wide receiver room, and I mean it, his best chance of making it might be if John Ross just doesn't get healthy and they just either move on from him or put Ross on IR or something. But in theory, you know, they have Galladay, they have Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony. John Ross, those are five guys that are all going to get on the field before David Sills in theory, or at least four of them will um, if Ross isn't in the mix. And so it, that fifth receiver is not going to be – fifth or sixth receiver is pretty rarely going to be on the field for offense. So their role is primarily going to be on special teams. So if David Sills can't prove himself on special teams, like when it comes down to that, like the numbers, like it's just hard to see him unless they decide to keep seven receivers, which I guess isn't impossible if they just don't want to lose Sills. But – that, that's kind of where I go back to. Like, in terms of performance, he deserves it for sure, and I would maybe even keep him overboard. But knowing how much this team values special teams, it's a tough road for him. Sure. So, hey, last thing to talk about is uh, expectations for today. Uh, did Joe give you guys any indication, you know, of whether they're going to do some, some things differently today or uh, just in general, uh, what might you be looking for, you know, in, in this afternoon's practice? I think it'll look pretty similar. I think they're going to do the two-minute thing at the end. I think there is going to be more red zone work today. So maybe that's a time where a guy like Sills can thrive. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the defense handles themselves and that. Um, yeah, you know, I I, I, I watched – I mostly kept my eye on the offense. I'll try and watch some more of the defense today. I think the offense is – there's so much more questions on that side. So I'm still just, like, kind of curious how they look. And, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm – it's going to be interesting to see if the Giants can bounce back from the way practice ended yesterday, I would say, is the thing I'm most looking at. Yeah, it didn't end well, I guess, with the with the the two-minute drill on, on either side of the ball. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we you know we talked to Judge before practice, so we didn't really get to get his reaction yesterday. But So we'll be able to see, like, how what he thought about how that ended, and then, you know, we'll see if they respond and all that. But, yeah, you know, and, and then today I'm going to try and keep an eye on the offensive line in particular because I want to see how those guys look. All right. Hey, Zach, appreciate your uh, spending some time with me this morning. Why don't you just remind folks where they can uh, where they can find your work on, on Twitter and, and elsewhere? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm on a Twitter at Zach Blatt, Z-A-C-K-B-L-A-T-T, and then uh, NJ.com slash Giants. You can find all my all my work. All right. Hey, thanks again. Giants fans, thank you for listening. Please remember, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.